Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. We started last week our series entitled Forgotten Voices. It is about the minor prophets. The reason we've titled it that is because these minor prophets were largely ignored even in their own generation. And I think today we don't even really know who they are and many times don't read from these minor prophets, but they had a powerful message for the nation of Israel and they have a powerful message for us today. There were 12 of them and we're only gonna take about six of them over these next four weeks. And last week we probably talked about maybe the most well-known prophet, Jonah and Jonah and the whale, and we saw how God intervened in the affairs of men to get his work done. And so the Bible says, and God sent the wind, and then God sent the whale, and then God sent the gourd, and then God sent the worm. And he did all this to get Jonah's attention because he loved Ninevites. And as bad as those people were, they needed to know about the love of God. And the whole city changes, and Jonah is changed, and we just had an incredible time in that little book last week. Today we're going to look at the book of Hosea. So take your Bibles out, turn to Hosea chapter 1, and an incredible story about the relentless love of God. This is an amazing love story, and we'll look at the different names that come out in the book that kind of give us an insight into what this book is really all about. So we'll look at Hosea together. As with all these messages, I can't cover everything, but uh, hopefully you'll go home and read it. You'll study it for yourself. And uh, next week we'll be on Habakkuk, an amazing minor prophet. You'll want to read and get ahead on that as well. Now, let me ask you guys a question, just a quick survey before we read our text today. How many like a good love story, a good love movie, love novel, love story? I saw some guys' hands go up. I'm proud of you guys. You guys are Renaissance men, and that, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, for, for me, for a movie to be good, it's got to have some bombs blowing up, car chases, uh, being overturned, maybe bullets flying here and there. That's, that's my kind of movie. I like the action movies. I'm not really into the love movies, but I'll tell you, my wife, Jeannie, is. She, she loves those lovey, sappy the sappier, the lovier, the, the better. She loves it. And uh, Hallmark, anybody heard of a Hallmark movie? She's, she's seen them. She knows what they are. Christmas is coming. All the Christmas Hallmark movies. And there's like a, a thousand of them, and they're all the same. They change the characters in and out. They change the names. Same plot. Same thing happens, boy meets girl, boy and girl argue and fuss and fight, and then they get back together again and they fall in love, and man, we just, and, and, I, and some of you men, you know, you, you, you won't admit it, but a little tear's running down your cheek just at the very end, and uh, we've caught you. But, uh, but love movies, and they're out there, and so today, we're looking at an incredible love story. It is the book of Hosea. It is absolutely amazing about this, what happens to this minor prophet. And, and we're gonna look at his, his relationship to a lady and then how that marriage got broken up and then how God says, I want you to go and I want you to go and love that lady again. And so we're gonna about God's love and, and really Hosea and this story become a backdrop for God's message to Israel. 
He says, Hosea and Gomer will be an object lesson for my love for the nation of Israel and where they are at right now. So let's stand together and let's begin with Hosea chapter one and we'll read the first three verses today. And the word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Barry, uh, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Johash, king of Israel. So he dates exactly when this minor prophet lived and prophesied. Now, he is going to allude to Judah uh, in the book. And so he'll talk about Judah, but his primary message was to the nation of Israel. So Israel was in the north, Judah in the south. There had been a division of the kingdoms, and this is the prophet we're looking at today. And when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go and take to yourself an adulterous wife and the children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word today. Your word's powerful and quick, and I pray, God, it'll find fertile ground in our own hearts and lives, and I pray that somehow we will begin to comprehend and grasp the amazing, pursuing, relentless love of God. And we love you, God. Open up the word in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, now the message that jumps off the pages, it's simply this. God will never, ever stop pursuing you. Isn't that good news? He comes after you. He pursues you. He hunts you down. He loves you. He will always be pursuing you. And so what is going to happen is we have an object lesson now for the understanding of God's love relationship with himself and the nation of Israel, and we will see it through Hosea's eyes. Now, here's the deal. Israel in the north, 10 northern tribes, they had turned away from God. Remember when the kingdom split, first split? Solomon comes along, his son Rehoboam says, I'm gonna make his rule, I'm gonna be harder on you than Solomon ever was. So Jeroboam comes, he leads a revolt, he takes with him 10 northern tribes. The 10 northern tribes make up what we now know as Israel. The two tribes in the south make up what would become known as Judah because Judah was the largest of Judah and Benjamin. So we call that Judah, we call the tribes in the north Israel. You've got to understand that. And what happened is Rehoboam says, or uh, Jeroboam says, if we don't erect some idols up here in the northern kingdom or some altars up here, they're always gonna go back to Jerusalem. So to keep him from going to Jerusalem, he creates an altar in Bethel and an altar in Dan, and then they begin to assimilate and adopt the idols of those nations who are around them. So they are in the process of turning away from the living God, of rebelling against him, of backsliding and leaving the Lord uh, and, and, and their following of the other idols around them. Now here's the problem. They had forgotten God had chosen them. God says, I'm choosing Abraham, and I will bless you and your seed, and you are to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And so God takes the nation of Israel, they come out of the Red Sea, he delivers them by his mighty hands, he sustains them in the wilderness, he takes care of them every day, he does miracles in their midst, but now they come into their promised land, the kingdom's divided, and already they are turning away from the living God. And they wanna look like the nations around them. They wanna worship idols they can see and they can look at and they forgot, you were my chosen people. What's happening here? The kingdom of Israel had found wealth 
and power, and now they begin to have wondering eyes and forget God. You know, I, I think sometimes it's interesting how the more successful we get, the less sometimes we feel we need God. And if we're not careful, we can get our eyes on the idols of this world because everything's going good and I have everything I want. And so we follow the idol of money or we follow the idol of entertainment or we follow the idol of this or that. And we may not have stone statues, but other things grab our heart beside the living God. Israel's wondering eyes for other gods were the gods of Asherah, Baal, and Chemosh. Now, these were demonic idols. These were, were statues that they would bow down and worship. They would offer sacrifices before these idols. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just a little statue. It wasn't just something they went through. There was literally demon, demonic power, and they're falling into that paganism of, of the vilest kind imaginable. And this is who Israel was running after. And so this is the time of Hosea. There was one idol, to, just to let you know how bad things had gotten, there was an idol they created called Chemosh. And Chemosh was an idol that had arms that were extended, extended like this. It was a brass, bronze idol. And, and they had a big belly underneath the arms. And they would take and they would put the fire inside the belly and that bronze, brass, bronze would turn red hot. And so to appease the god Chemosh, they would take their children, their, often their firstborn child, and they would get the fire as hot as it could till the arms were glowing red, and they would take that baby and they would place it upon the altar of Chemosh to appease the god. And that baby would literally be cooked alive. And in order to drown out the cries and the screams of that baby, they would beat a drum very loudly in a rhythmic pattern. And so, so the drums would beat, the baby would be placed on the altar, and, and that way the, the parents and those who were around wouldn't have to hear their child screamed as that child was being burned alive. I don't know, I, I don't know. I've never been in an abortion clinic, but I wonder if that's kind of the soft music that's played when those ladies go in there and they decide to have that baby inside of them dismembered and pulled out piece by piece. And yet they're playing the soft music in the background hoping somehow that will deafen the cries in their conscience and in their heart. I don't know, just, just wondering. So you have this going on, this, this idol worship and taking place. And so to get Israel's attention, he tells the prophet Hosea, he says, Hosea, I, I want you to go and I want you to marry a prostitute. Now, can you imagine if God tells you to do something like that, marry a prostitute? Because he says, you're going to live out the message that I have for Israel. Now, can you imagine that's not a thing prophets do? Can you imagine if, uh, if, if Pastor Larry decided, okay, I'm the pastor here. I need to go marry a hooker. And I find somebody has been with 30 other men, 50 other men, and I marry that person, I can imagine what would happen on Facebook and what would happen on social media and all the bashing I would get and the people would be exiting the church and they would say, Pastor Larry has absolutely lost his mind. Well, for the nation of Israel, this is even a bigger deal because you have a prophet by the name of Hosea who goes out and finds the worst of the worst and he marries her. You can imagine all the ridicule and all that he went through. The lady's name that he marries is a lady by the name of Gomer. Now, uh, 
The only Gomer name I've ever heard before was Gomer Pyle. Anybody ever hear of him? I just have this picture of Andy Griffith and a, a, a square jawed lady saying Shazam. And I don't know. And so I just, it's a, it's a horrible image. And so, and they have three kids together. And so they have these boys in succession, one after the other. And, and in this marriage, things are going well for a while. The kids are being born. The family's holding together. But, but somewhere after the birth of their third child, uh, Gomer gets wondering eyes again. And she says, I'm, I don't like being married. I don't like being with one man. I'm going to leave this guy. I want to go my own way. And she steps out and leaves Hosea and runs back to her life of unfaithfulness and prostitution. And, and she descends to the very lowest depths of degradation. And I, I can't imagine how she left. She probably took her ring off. She threw it at Hosea and said, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of being married. I'm tired of the responsibility of raising these kids. Uh, I'm going back to my old life and my old lifestyle. And she stomps out of the house. And Hosea is left there by himself to raise these three boys. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the hurt he's feeling right now? And I can imagine all the people who were his friends who were around him said, hey, we tried to warn you, buddy, not to marry her. We said that was a mistake. That was a, 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 you can take the woman out of the streets, but you can't take the streets out of the woman. And so in all this, he probably heard it all. And once a prostitute, always a prostitute. And she's not worth loving. And probably all those things are ringing his ears. They're reminding him of the great mistake he had made. Why in the world did you marry this lady in the first place? Now, the first part of the love story is tragic. It's heartbreaking. It's, it's it just... But, but what's happening is, as Hosea's heart is breaking, you get a sense of how God's heart was breaking for Israel. Israel was stepping out on God. Israel was going over here to Asher and over here to Chemosh and over, over here to Baal and over here to uh, all these other idols and all these other gods. And Israel, God's chosen people, the one God loves so much, the one God brought out of Egypt, brought out of bondage. Now they are stepping out on God and they're serving the gods of every other nation around them. And you can imagine how that is just breaking the heart of God. So you get a sense of God's heart and Hosea's heart and what's going on. So we can relate to maybe the first part of the story. We see it happen. I, I, I've been with couples who one committed infidelity or someone stepped out and cheated on their husband or cheated on their wife and it's so tragic and, and, the, and how infidelity can just cut the guts out of a marriage and how adultery can affect a marriage and how hurting and wounding that can be and how bad that can be. But when we get to the second part of the story, you're gonna say, no way! It is absolutely incredible because jump to Hosea chapter three and verse number one. And the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Now listen, he marries her, takes her off the streets. They have some kids. She leaves, goes back to the streets, back to the life of prostitution. He says, go to love your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love their sacred raising cakes. Like Gomer, Israel has left the Lord behind. Now it's interesting, in chapter one, Israel's already in their decline, they're already turning to idols when this whole thing's going on, when the first marriage takes place. 
they have three boys and they name their boys interesting names. The first boy they name is Jezreel, which literally means judgment is coming. So can you imagine naming your son judgment is coming and telling the babysitter, by the way, you're gonna babysit terror and judgment. You know, I don't think any babysitter would sign up for that job. And then they name son number two, Lo Ruhama. Lo means not in the prefix. Ruhama means to obtain mercy. So the second son is not obtaining mercy. Now, their sons are being named that at the decline of the nation of Israel. And then they have a third boy, and they name him Loami, which means people that are rejected or are not mine, people who do not belong to me. So this is, this is the reminder of where Israel is at the time these boys are born. Hosea is a prophet with a broken heart. His pain, his agony, his broken heart becomes an interpretation of the agony over the heart of God because of Israel's sin and rebellion. He says, I want you to go to that woman. Go to the woman that's ruined you. Go to the woman that broke your heart. Go to the woman that made you an object of ridicule and scorn by everybody else around you. I want you to go and love her again. How crazy is that? And God is saying to Israel, I will never stop loving you. I will never stop pursuing you. I will come after you. I will love you again. Isn't that good news today? I'll love you again. How many times have we failed the Lord again and again and again, but God keeps on loving us. He keeps wooing us back to himself. He keeps coming after us. God loves us so much. And the good news is no matter what you may have done or how far you away from the Lord, or maybe you've never surrendered your heart to him and you're on the run, God's love is pursuing you this morning. You're in church today to hear this message because God will love you again and again and again and again. And he never gives up on you. Wow, what great, great news today. He'll leave the 99 safe within the fold to go find that one lost sheep that's out there somewhere else. God wanted Israel to know he's never giving up on them. And I want you to know today, God's not giving up on you either. He loves you. The second thing we see is not only has God been pursuing you, but God paid a price for you. I paid a price for you. Hosea obeys the word of the Lord. So he's gonna go find Gomer, wherever she's at. I don't know where he found her. Maybe he went to the same place he found her in the first place, the first time he married her. But he goes to that place somewhere down in the red light district where the girls are being prostituted out, pimped out, sold on the marketplace. Maybe kind of like the streets of Amsterdam. You can walk down the red light district of Amsterdam and they have the windows there and you can order whatever girl you want and they come in all ages. Or Bangkok, Thailand. Wicked, wicked city. Or Bombay, India, where girls are trafficked and sold as property and chattel and just go from one person to another to the highest bidder. And so he goes and he finds a sex trafficking ring down in Israel and he walks up on an auction. It just so happens that at this auction, Gomer is on the auction block. And he has to buy her back again. Now this is his wife. This is the one who left him behind. And he's got to pay for her and buy her again. And the Bible says the purchase price is 15 shekels of silver along with about 10 bushels of barley. 
It's interesting, 15 shekels of silver. In that day and age and all throughout the old empire, a slave sold for 30 shekels of silver. Remember when Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the, came to be a servant of all. They threw the money out and it was 30 shekels of silver. Slat was the purchase price for a slave, either male or female in this day and age. But because she has been all used up, because now she is old and haggard, because now no one else will want her and no one else will take her and she's discarded like a piece of trash and a piece of garbage. Now she's half price. So he buys his own wife back. I don't think Hosea went after Gomer because he loved her. I can't imagine him feeling any love in his heart for that lady who had hurt him so, so bad. But he goes back after her because he loved God. And God said, go. You see, we love people because we first love God. And I think when he got back there and he saw Hosea, uh, Gomer and he saw the shape she was in, I think maybe God put that love in his heart all over again because he did love her again. But I will tell you, our love for people always starts by first loving God. That's how we can say, how can you love people who hurt you? How can you love people who, who you don't even know? How can you love people who discard you and turn the other way? How can we love those people? Why? Because I love God. And God says, I'm to love them. And so in obedience, I do what God tells me to do. And then he begins to do something as we talk to God and we pray about other people. He puts an amazing love in our heart for them. If your marriage is hurting today and you feel like you're losing that love, I want to tell you, talk to the Lord about it and commune to him about your wife, your husband or whatever the situation may be and begin to pray. And God is able to restore that love and rekindle that love in your heart again for that person. But we serve out of obedience. I will tell you, this is the essence of the gospel. It's all summarized in a nutshell right here in this little Old Testament prophet. Hosea pays the price for what is already his. I want you to, I want you to catch that. He pays the price for someone that is already his. I was trying to think of how to, how to illustrate this, and it just came to me. I, uh, if you if you've have a garage and you've had tools that have been stolen, and they take your favorite DeWalt power saw along with a lot of other tools and it's gone. And you got work to do. You got jobs to do around the house. You got things to do. And so what happens is you go looking in the pawn shops and you go to a pawn shop and you find Mega Man Pawn Shop and you walk in there and there is your DeWalt saw. You know it's yours. And the, and the guy says, this is my saw. I want it back. No, you got to pay for it. I'm sorry. It's going to cost you a hundred bucks. And someone stole your saw, took the money, probably for pennies on the dollar, to buy drugs, because they had to have a fix. You go find your saw, and, and, and he says, okay, show me your name on this saw. I don't put my name on this saw. And you're indignant, and you want to call the cops, and you want to scream, but it's your own saw. And you got to pay all over again to buy it back. And this is the case we have with Hosea and Gomer right here. And this is the story of the gospel. Now listen to me. God already owns everybody in the house. God already owns everybody in the universe. We are his. Listen to Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, what? Belong to him. We all belong to God. Why? Because he created us. He made us. He's God. We are his creation. Thus, we are his 
property. But then look what he does. Because we wander away, we wander off in our sin. God sends his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who gives his life on Calvary for us. He pays the price of his own body and his own blood. What? To buy us back again. He redeems us unto himself. Thus the story of Hosea and Gomer. Look at, chapter, look at verse number three of chapter three. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will live with you. Now I wanna tell you, if, if, if I was Hosea, that's not what I would have said. I would have said, no way. Been there once, fool me once, you're not gonna fool me again, right? I would have let her go. But Hosea, something happens inside of Hosea that he gets the divine heart of God as the prophet of God. Wow. And then after he tells her, I'm buying you back, you're mine now, you paid the money, because you gotta come with me, you're mine. Third, he buys her back. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and he begins to prophesy. Thus the name prophet. And I want you to look at the next two verses. Something dramatic happens right here. It says, for the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or idol. Now the ephod is something the high priest would wear when they would go into the temple. There would be no temple sacrifice anymore. There would be no reign of the kings. Why? Because the kingdom period would end for the nation of Israel. Why? Because they would be taken into captivity. Now Assyria is gonna roll over the northern kingdom and eventually Babylon will rule over the southern kingdom. He said there'll be no more kings, no more temple. Your temple's gonna be destroyed. It's all gonna be gone. But look at the next verse. Afterwards, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. I wanna tell you something. This is after David. David has already died and gone but you will seek after David your king. Who is of the lion of the tribe of Judah? Who is the descendant of David? Who is in that Davidic line? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is making a prophecy about the time when Jesus Christ would come and he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against him and we would all be drawn to that name, Jesus. Wow. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Hosea was not talking about his generation. He wasn't talking about the next month or the next year. He saw prophetically through the anointing of the Holy Spirit of a day would come when David would come back and he would rule and reign and all would follow and serve him. A new king, a descendant of David, will come and the people will be in all of his goodness. Hosea is talking about Jesus Christ. Wow. It's interesting, the name Hosea means salvation. Hosea. The name Jesus meant Jesus saves or salvation, Yahshua, right? The name Gomer means completion. Gomer is a picture of the church. The church is the bride of Christ. 
the church completes God's love. God loved us. He sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. But love always has to have an object of its affection, and that is us. And we are the name completion. We are that Gomer. Isn't that amazing? God will not only go to a great lengths to buy us back, but he's painting a picture of that one who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come in the flesh, go into the red light district of our hearts and our souls that are so dark in sin and save us and rescue us out of that and buy us back and not with silver and barley. He will buy us back with his own flesh and blood. Mm, mm, mm. Remember I talked about their kids' names? I said they, they need them some really tough names to have to live with. I want you to look, prof, look, at, look at Hosea chapter two. You may have to look, I don't know if it's, we have it on the screen or not. You may have to look on your little personal device or your Bibles that you have with you. It says in Hosea two and verse 22, the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the oil. So he's prophesying about this day to come for Israel, for the church, the manifestation of the blessing of Almighty God, new oil and wine. And And they will respond to Jezreel. That day of judgment will give way to the way of God's blessing of new wine and new oil. And look at it, he goes on to say, and I will plant for her for myself in the land and I will show my love to the one who is called not my loved one. Who is he talking about? His son called Loruhama, the one who has not obtained mercy, the one who has not loved. But he says, I'm gonna show my love to that one I called Loruhama. Look at this. And I will say to those called not my people, Loami, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, now I want you to turn. Peter picks up on this. So he is familiar with Hosea. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. This is the fulfillment of what Hosea prophesied. Hosea prophesied about 700 B.C. of all that's going to happen. It all is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what Peter says. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Who's he talking about now? Not national Israel. He's talking about his church. He's talking about all us. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who what? Called you out of the red light district, called you out of darkness, called Gomer out into his wonderful light. Now he, he, now he follows up on that thought with his play on words. You who were not a people, lo ami, but now you are the people of God, ami. We're no longer lo ami. We are a people of God. Once you had re- not received mercy, lo ruhama, but what? Now you have received mercy. All the warnings through Hosea and Gomer and their three kids now is going to be totally fulfilled in the new age of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new age of new wine and oil, the age when God will remove his judgment and we will be redeemed and saved. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He saved everybody through his blood ever lived in the Old Testament who, who followed God and anyone who lives by faith in the New Testament. He saves us all by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ 
And now we are called by God, his chosen people. Wow. Isn't that awesome? God will never, ever stop pursuing you. God has paid the price for you. And number three, God loves, transforms you. His love, the love he showed for us while we didn't deserve it, literally changes us and transforms us. There may be no other story that illustrates the love of God like through Jesus Christ, like this story of Hosea. In fact, and here's the deal, Jesus Christ will quote from Hosea. Now let me give you the backstory. What's Jesus Christ doing? He's hanging around sinners, hanging around prostitutes, hanging around gomers, hanging around tax collectors, hanging around people everybody hates. And the Pharisees come along and say, wait a minute. Why are you hanging around those guys? Don't you know how bad they are? Don't you know who washed your feet? Don't you know she is a sinner? She is a hooker? She's a prostitute? And you let her touch your feet and wash your feet and, and, and wipe, take her long hair and wipe your feet off and anoint you with oil and you're allowing that to happen and she is a sinner? What does Jesus Christ do in response to that? Who does he quote? He quotes Hosea. And you find the story in Matthew 9, 23. Hey, go and learn what this means. I want to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. In other words, I have come to offer mercy. The Pharisees are all about their sacrifice and their sacrificial system, but I am a God who loves and I am a God who shows mercy and that's what I came to do. Now he is quoting Hosea 6 and verse number six to these religious people. What is he telling them? He is saying, I am your Hosea. Just like Hosea brought Gomer back, I am Hosea today, I am your savior today, and I am buying all of these back, and I will pay for them with my own blood. Wow. I will search and look for the lost. I will pay whatever it costs, because I love them. Hosea knew what, getting into, what he was getting into when he married Gomer. He knew his life would be crazy and things would be messed up and, and it's hard and it's just challenging sometimes. And, and it, it, but he did it anyway. Now, we are everybody in this house is Gomer. That's us. That's our story. Not just some wicked lady out there somewhere in the Old Testament. We are Gomer. And yet, despite of all of our sin, what? God kept pursuing us. God paid the price for us. God bought us back. God transformed us by his precious blood. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, I have a new life and a new family and a new home and a freedom in Jesus Christ. And all those chains, break every chain, they're gone. I'm no longer chained to sin anymore. I have been set free by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the deal. When we come to grips with that incredible love of God, it demands a response on our part. That's kind of what Paul captures in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, because God loves you, because God saved you, because he's so good, because he pursued us, therefore you present your body back to him, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So because God saves me, I give myself back to him. And now what has God told his church? 
what has God told Gomer? Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. Why? Because listen, there are gomers out there all around us. There are gomers up and down your neighborhood. There are gomers in your classroom. Uh, There are gomers you work with every single day and they don't know Jesus Christ and they don't know about his credible love. And so he has saved us, changed us, transformed him so we could go bring the rest on in so they can know the same love that we have experienced. And that completes that amazing love story. That's why we plant a church in Ridgeville because there's gomers in Ridgeville. That's why we're planting a church in Walterboro because there's gomers in Walterboro. That's why we're gonna plant a church at Lieber because there's 12,000, excuse me, 1,200 men who a lot of them are gomers and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we go where they're at. That's why we go revive church in downtown Charleston where there are some real red light districts and we rescue the women and we love them and we disciple them into the kingdom of God. Why? Because God saved me. God loves me. So how can I not but love the Gomers? You see, Hosea does what God tells him to do. He goes out and he looks for Gomer, not just once, but twice. Hosea's story is our story. It's a story of God's deep love for us. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. Look at verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is not, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You are complete in Jesus Christ. You are loved by him. You are pursued by him. And if you've come to him, you are forgiven by him and you are transformed by him. All because he first loved us. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.